so um, I'm very honored and uh, humbled to be asked to step in for uh, Pastor Tony. Uh, I thank you for the opportunity, and I just pray today. Bye, Gracie. I love you. Uh, I pray that uh, that this word that God has for you would bless you this morning. So um, we're in the series uh, of Galatians, the return of the gospel, and we're right now in the middle of uh, Galatians chapter 5. So what I'm going to do is just read chapter 5, and uh, we'll take it from there. So if you're uh, turning with me, if you have your Bible and your notebook, awesome. You know what Tony says every week. Uh, at this point, it's probably ingrained in your head, so I trust you. Um, we'll start with uh, Galatians 5, uh, verse 1. Uh, For freedom in Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. Look, I, Paul, say to you that if you accept circumcision, Christ will be of no advantage to you. I testify again to every man who accepts circumcision that he is obligated to keep the whole law. You are severed from Christ, you who would be justified by the law. You have fallen away from grace. For through the Spirit, by faith, we ourselves eagerly wait for the hope of righteousness. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision counts for anything, but only faith working through love. You were running so well, who hindered you from obeying the truth? This persuasion is not from him who calls you. A little leaven leavens the whole lump. I have confidence in the Lord that you will take no other view, and that one who is troubling you will bear the penalty, whoever he is. But if I, brother, still preach circumcision, why am I still being persecuted? In that case, the offense of the cross has been removed. I wish those who unsettle you would emasculate themselves. Uh, 13th, 15, where we're going to be today. For you are called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, watch out that you are not consumed by one another. A long time ago, in a scripture far, far away, men and women, the children of God, were under something called the Mosaic Law. And basically what that meant was that God had given his people a rule of laws, um, a list of laws, ceremonial traditions, and things to do um, so that their sin would be atoned for. But this was never, God did not desire their justification to come through the law. When Abraham met God, he had faith in God. And that was counted as righteousness. Abraham's righteousness was in his faith in God. But when the Mosaic law came, things changed in the people. Their faith was starting to wean away from God as their father and as their provider. And they started to look to the law for their justification. So when they had transgressions and when they sinned, they came to the temple. They atoned through their animal sacrifices and went on their merry way. The only problem with that was they were going to sin again. And they, came, they kept coming back. Excuse me, it was a vicious cycle. There needed to be a change. Our hearts were hard. There needed to be a change. God needed to intervene. 
He needed to do something that would so radically transform his people that they would only have a heart for him, that they would only have a heart for his love. They would only have a heart for his desires. Because let's be honest, this world has a lot of desires to offer, a lot of things that we love. But those are not things of God. And what we see in the Old Testament is his people constantly going to the world, constantly going to other things for their justification, for their, for their provision, for their fulfillment, and it ultimately ended short. They came up short because it only lasted so long. Those things were not infinite. There's only one infinite thing in this world, and it is God. The only fulfillment in this world is God because he never goes, he never leaves, he never changes. So when his people were cursed by the law, because let's be honest, if you're justified by the law, you're under the judgment of the law and the condemnation of the law, and people were dying. People were dying, and this grieves the Lord. So what happened? What did God need to do? He came to this earth. He came as Jesus, God in the flesh. His goal was that God's people would come back to their God, they would be his children, and he would be their God. He desired for his people, for God's children, to be free from the law of condemnation and justified by their faith in God, in Jesus Christ, through his sacrifice that was going to come. This was his plan. The power that we find on the cross through Jesus' sacrifice was going to free us all. If we just say that Jesus is Lord and follow him, it's going to free us all from the chains of bondage, from sin, and from the curse of the law. But the problem was this. When Jesus came into the world in the middle of the Jewish uh, culture uh, and Roman rule, their hearts were so hardened that they couldn't see. They couldn't see what they had, who Jesus was, and why he came. They continually questioned him. They continually condemned him. Uh, they didn't listen to him. Uh, at one point, at one point, Jesus' Jesus's message, the gospel, gained an amazing following. There were people that listened, but then the message got hard. Eat of my flesh, drink of my blood, and you will find eternal life. And he lost all of his disciples except for 12. He was pretty much what you would call alone. And then he died. He was crucified and he rose from the dead, and the Holy Spirit came, and the world was changed. The church became a thing. The disciples became apostles. They planted churches. They were in community. The Holy Spirit was working. The truth was going forth. Yes, persecution came. Opposition came. They were still dying, but it was a new thing because you know what? Death had no sting over them. Death had no more control over them because they knew with following Jesus, they had eternal life. So even these physical bodies pass, they find themselves looking into the face of Jesus Christ, wiping every tear away, healing every scar of this earth. That's the power of the gospel. The truth we find 
the freedom we find in the gospel. And when the church in Galatia started, that's where they were. Paul said, you were running well. They were, I can only imagine what that means. I can only imagine they were flourishing as community. They were loving each other. They were giving. They were praying for one another. They were bearing in one another's sins. It was, I can imagine only a beautiful picture of biblical community. But then something happened. And, you know, I'll be honest. When, when people are involved, something's going to happen. We're not perfect, and that's okay. But when our hearts are not focused on Christ, when are not submitted to the Lord, we desire control. We desire power, and we desire to have our own way. Let's just call it what it is. And that's what we see in the church in Galatia. The Judaizers came. Jewish Christians. And what that means is that they believed in Jesus Christ, but they also still adhered to Old Testament ceremonial um, teachings uh, and practices. In this case, this was a teaching that took, that took place over time. They came in as preachers of the gospel. They came in disguised as preachers of the gospel, and then they came in, preached the gospel for a little while, and then started preaching circumcision. Yeah, the gospel's great, but still justified um, as a sign through your circumcision. But that was wrong. Literally, biblically wrong. Because when Jesus came, he was our new covenant. The sign of our new covenant was through his flesh, not ours. It says in Hebrews 9, 15, Therefore, he is the mediator of a new covenant, so that those who are called may receive the promise of an eternal inheritance, since a death has occurred that redeems them from transgressions committed under the first covenant. We find our justification through faith in Jesus Christ, a sign of that covenant, is his blood and his flesh. This is completely different than the old covenant, where our justification, we were going through the law, and the sign of that covenant was our circumcision. But when Jesus Christ came, that was done because he took place of that. So when these teachers came in preaching that, they were literally enslaving these people to a false teaching. You can almost say they were no longer free. And this is what Paul is addressing in our scripture today. Paul says, for you were called for you were called to freedom, brothers, only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh. And what we find here are Christians that did just that. And there are probably a number of reasons they came in um, you know, and did this. Maybe they were afraid of the zealots, the Jewish people oppressing the church, and they wanted to please them. Uh, maybe they just had Old Testament traditions that they loved dearly and didn't want to let go of. But what we see is them taking the freedom that they found in Christ— and using that to their advantage, manipulating a body into a false teaching so that um, their motives would be fulfilled. And sometimes with a false teaching, the best antidote is just practical life application. Um, you know, we can have knowledge, and knowledge is great, but knowledge without wisdom, knowledge without action is just knowledge, and ultimately it doesn't really change much. So what Paul is doing here is he's, through the first four chapters, bringing them back to the gospel. He's saying, this is what it's about. It's no longer I who live, but Christ in me. The power of the cross is in me and moves me forward. 
And now here we are in chapter 5, and you're going to see in chapter 6, let's talk about what to do. How do we, get, how do we move forward from this false teaching? And he says, to not, um, do not use your freedom for an opportunity of flesh. Don't use the freedom in Christ to satisfy your desires, your motives, the things that you want to see happen. That's not the point of your freedom. But through love, serve one another. And freedom's a tricky thing in this world, right? Because we look out in the world today and we see freedom play out. We see people doing what they want. Um, you know, uh, this is not a commentary on the current world, please. I'm not taking any stance. I'm just calling it as it is. And, you know, you see people saying what they want without regard for one another, seeking their selfish desires at the cost of other people. I've been in a career-related business for 10 years. Um, I've seen career growth. I've seen people stepped on. I've seen people hurt. I've seen people fired for the sake of somebody else. And it hurts because that's not freedom. Like, but that's what it's guised as, freedom. People uh, doing what they want to fulfill their motives, their desires, and their, uh, their lust. But Jesus redefines freedom. He says in Luke chapter 9, 23, that whoever would be my disciple would deny themselves daily, pick up their cross, and follow me. He completely redefines freedom for the, for the disciple, the follower of Jesus Christ. See, freedom um, does not, how do I say this? Freedom in Christ releases us from the curse of the law. It releases us from the curse of the law. And we are now under a grace. But it does not release us from our obligation to fulfill the law just as Jesus Christ did. Because God's laws were originally intended so that we would love him and we would love his people. And he still desires that. And there are things that we're called to do. God has laid out commandments in the New Testament for us that we're to move forward in. We're not going to be perfect and, you know, we're going to make our mistakes. But the beautiful thing about freedom in Christ is that we're no longer condemned by the law, but forgiven and no longer condemned. So please realize that freedom in Christ is not a licentious freedom which allows you to do what you want and make choices that you desire. But really what it allows us to do is follow Christ and follow him, follow him relentlessly and unashamed because that's where the true freedom is found. Because everything else ends. Everything else will fall down. But God, his kingdom is unshakable and will remain forever. Um, yeah, so this is what Paul was addressing in the scripture today, that freedom. And what I kind of want to do today is just talk about the importance of why the truth of the gospel is everything and not just a platform. And, you know, it's not the gospel and something else, but it's just the gospel. In the, in the church in Galatia, we see the gospel return, the truth of the gospel return. And, you know, the Lord showed me a few things about why that's important. Why we, why we relentlessly hold to the truth of the, Jesus Christ and his sacrifice. First and foremost, and most importantly, our eternity depends on it. Well, I, you know, it's, it's a thing where, you know, if we're, if we're saved through the cross of Jesus Christ, 
and Jesus rose, died and rose again, then yeah, I'm pretty sure I'm going to believe him over everything else. And if he says that through him I'll have eternal life, my heart is sealed. I'm done and I'm ready to go the best that I can. You know, Jesus said to the Jews that were believing in him, if you continue in my word, then you are truly disciples of mine and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. That's John 8, 31, 32. The truth of the word, God's word would set him free, set them free, excuse me. So in today's culture, when you see, when you see the gospel preached, it's good and people are saved and they come to know the Lord and they find that their hearts are transformed and they're finding new purpose and they're finding new calling and ultimately at the end of the day they are God's child and they are saved and they're going to heaven someday. But when we see other things preached, now I'm not saying that there are other things that shouldn't be preached, you know, if we're preaching in light of the gospel, you know, if you're preaching fasting in light of the gospel, if you're preaching prayer in light of the gospel, that's fine. What I'm talking about is something else that would replace God, Jesus' justification with anything else. I don't want to call things out, but there are some teachings that would replace the power of Jesus Christ with the power of ourselves. Um, and it calls us to do things, and it calls us to work. And those works would be our justification. Those aren't good teachings because it takes us away from the truth of the gospel and from, um, and from the promise we find in Jesus Christ. So our eternity depends on us sticking to the truth of the gospel for ourselves first and foremost. If the gospel is transforming our lives, you can bet it's going to transform the lives of the people around you. And that brings me to my second point. Adhering to the truth of the gospel, keeping that in our heart, makes us salt and light. Jesus said in Matthew 5, 13 through 16, that you are the salt of the earth, but if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. And you are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under the basket, but on a stand, and give it give light to all in his house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. It, let's be honest. Jesus' light is not the only light shining in this world. There is there is darkness that reigns. Um, I, you know, we turn and look in this world and we see all kinds of things that are representing all kinds of beliefs, all kinds of actions. So what makes, what makes us salt and light? What makes us different? The truth of the gospel. Where this world would judge people, where this world condemns people, we are a people called to forgiveness. We are a people called to love our enemies. We are a people called to love God unconditionally. Again, we're not going to be perfect. That's okay. You know, we move forward when we can and uh, repent. Repent's always a good thing. Repentance key. Um, so when you adhere to the truth of the gospel, you become salt and light to the earth, and people will see that. Yes, you're called to proclaim the truth of God's word with your voice, but you're also called to let the gospel transform your life and through your actions, live out the gospel.
That's what makes you salt and light in the earth. And when you adhere to the truth of the gospel, you're walking in a freedom that's going to help others become free. For who the Son has set free, he is free indeed. You know, we covered ourselves, we covered the world, and, you know, also the church. Adhering to the truth of the gospel message is important for unity within the body. Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, he, he calls us, I appeal to you, brothers, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree and there be no division among you, but that you be united in the same mind and the same judgment. You know, Tony talked last week about how, you know, the church is going to have some different opinions. And we're going to have different perceptions and different, uh, you know, interpretations of things. And that's inevitable. But the big things, the important things, can't, we can't have it. The gospel is the gospel, period, and oh, that's it. There can't be any, any different interpretation because we see churches divide constantly today. In fact, we have so many different denominations because they decided that they believed differently and they couldn't agree on that. Unity comes when we're under the same message. And this is not a message from me. This is the message from God that Jesus Christ came to set the captives free, to save sinners and heal the sick. That's it. And if there's any other message out there, it's going to divide a church. By adhering to the false teaching, we're going to tear, the, tear, the churches will be teared apart. And that's what we saw in Galatians. In chapter 5, 15, Paul said, If you bite and devour one another, watch out that you are consumed one another. There was obviously, there was obviously some fighting happening. And I don't, I mean, we can only speculate on how bad it was, but it was there. So we are one body under one God. And to adhere to the truth of the gospel is to do our best to remain united in the Holy Spirit. And we do this, we move forward, and we, we do all of this because Jesus Christ came to give us this gift. God loves us unconditionally. Like if there's one thing that I could leave you with today is that God loves you so much. I can't even, my words cannot comprehend or explain the depth of God's love for you. And as children of a loving father, justified through Jesus Christ, we adhere to the truth of the gospel and we let the gospel transform our lives so that others would be transformed. Why are we here? At the end of the day, why are we here? So that we can make disciples of the nations and that be ba they'd be baptized in the Holy Spirit. That's not going to happen if we come with a different message on our lips. So as it was a short message. As we end today, I'd really just like to give you an opportunity to respond. We, uh, we are a people that worship. That's why we're, that's why we're here. 
in all that we do, our life would be a living sacrifice um, and worship to the Lord. And I know I'm a I'm a young gentleman, and you know the wisdom that's in this church. I I could probably sit for days and days and days and learn so much. But the one thing I know of all of us is that we're not perfect. And I would like to um, give you guys a chance to just respond and worship the Lord and help him to search your heart. Because a changed heart is ultimately why we're here. Renewal of the mind comes from a changed heart. Renewal of your actions comes from a changed heart. But that requires us to put down our walls and let the Lord search us and show us what the, what are what's in our lives um, that's not good. And we all have them. I do. And, uh, you know, I pray every day that the Lord would deliver me. Um, so Bob's going to play once he's done tuning. We're going to pray and then we'll sing a song. Father, I just, uh, I thank you for the word today. I thank you that it was not my words, but your word, Father, and that if there was anything that wasn't of you, that it would fall away, but and that the truth would be even more emphasized. I just pray for this church body right now, that as we go forward and worship, that they would not be afraid to open their hearts to you, and they would not be afraid to let the Holy Spirit search them, search us. But Father, that we would see what you want us to see. You would, we would hear what you want us to hear. And I pray that if repentance is needed, then that we would repent. I pray that if forgiveness is needed, then we would forgive. And I would pray that if there is somebody here today that does not know Jesus Christ, that their heart is not full, submitted to them, that their heart is not seeking them, I pray that today would be the day that they would make the decision to follow you. God, I would just pray that the lies of the enemy would stop right now in Jesus' name. There is nothing that can keep you from coming to the Lord, church. We all make mistakes. We all make mistakes. We all sin. But the beauty of the cross is that we can come to the cross, lay our sin at God, Jesus Christ's feet, and repent. But don't believe the lie that you can't come to him today. Do not believe the lie that you cannot come to him today. Because you can come to him every day, every minute, every hour, every second. So just, uh, you know, we'll sing a song and uh, open up the altar if you guys would like to come worship him.